Hello, I'm Jeff Chambers, and in my first podcast, Carnforth Railway Station is my subject. I've called at the station on many occasions over the last few years, although just now, in early 2021, non-essential visits are denied due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But the end of that, we hope, is firmly in sight, and by the middle of the year, you should be able to experience the atmosphere of this unusual station and its unlikely claims to fame. Carnforth is a small North Lancashire town which sits on the A6, once the main north-south highway, but which is now bypassed by the nearby M6. It remains a bustling centre though, at its heart the gracefully curving Market Street with its stone-fronted shop buildings. The road runs downhill from the bridge over the tranquil Lancaster Canal, an 18th century transport artery which lost its final trade to road transport in 1947. At the bottom of Market Street is the station, which in the 1990s was rescued from years of gradual decay and even threatened demolition to become an award-winning tourist destination in its own right. This has happened through the hard work and dedication of the Carnforth Station and Railway Trust, and with the generous help of a couple of quirks of history, more of which in a moment. The station stands astride the West Coast Main Line, and has a beautifully restored stone-faced entrance building on the town side of the tracks. As well as a ticket office, this is home to several small businesses, including a clock restorer, a model train shop, and a popular but tiny pub, The Snug. But this recovery in fortunes is only partial. A step through the ticket office leads to where the north-south train should pause to pick up passengers. But as a Glasgow-bound Pendolino tears through, an iron fence creeps the hopeful passenger where the platform should be. They were cut back when the line was electrified in the 1970s. Pleas to reinstate them have fallen on deaf ears so far, leaving Scotland-bound passengers having to change trains in Lancaster, six miles to the south. All this does is to encourage those travelling to the north from the Barrow and Furness direction to drive to Oxenholme to catch a Glasgow or Edinburgh train, extracting passengers from the furnace line and adding cars to the roads. It doesn't seem very joined up thinking to me. Across the main line though, trains can be joined to travel south to Lancaster and beyond, west towards Barrow in Furnace and the Cumbrian coastline and also east to Skipton and Leeds. A long ramp leads down to a dank subway tunnel under the main line where draining water seems to run constantly and then a second slope rises up to the Lancaster platform and to Carnthus Heritage Centre. Walking up this ramp, the eye is immediately caught by the large clock hanging above the top of the slope, its hands driven by an intricate hand-wound mechanism housed in a cupboard on the platform. It was first installed here in 1895 and was made by J.B. Joyce and Company for Whitchurch in Shropshire, clock manufacturers since 1690. As well as being a period piece in its own right, the clock also featured prominently in the film Brief Encounter, much of which was filmed here in 1945. And that is the first quirk of history that has helped Carnforth Station to survive and prosper. The film Brief Encounter was directed by David Lean and starred Trevor Howard and Celia Johnson. It tells the story of a chance meeting at the fictitious Milford Junction station 
where Celia Johnson's character Laura Jessen gets a piece of grit in her eye from a passing train. The grit is carefully removed by debonair Alec Harvey, a doctor, played by Trevor Howard. Laura and Alec then meet further, first by accident in the high street, then by arrangement, and realise they are drawn to each other and slowly falling in love. But both are married with children, and when they meet to perhaps consummate the affair in the flat of Alec's friend, and his friend returns unexpectedly, Laura flees feeling dirty and sordid. Both know the affair must end, and Alec is finally to leave for a new job in Johannesburg. In a restrained but heartbreaking final scene, their last embrace is denied by the arrival of Laura's chatty friend Dolly Messiter, and replaced by Alec simply placing his hand on Laura's shoulder. Alec goes, and Laura hears the sound of his train leaving, but still half expects him to come back. When he doesn't, she rushes onto the platform at the sound of the oncoming boat train and wavers wide-eyed on the edge, contemplating suicide. She finally returns to her solid but dull husband, Fred, who perhaps sensing more than he knows, movingly thanks her for coming back. The atmospheric black and white film has many of its scenes shot in nighttime conditions, against a backdrop of steam-hauled express trains hurtling through the station, whistle shrieking. Carnforth was chosen as a location as its remoteness allowed some relaxation of the wartime blackout. The soundtrack makes use of Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto throughout, and the rising and falling emotions of the music make a perfect match to the ebb and flow of Laura and Alec's feelings. The story is told as a voiceover by Laura, looking back and in an imagined confession to her husband. Although the cut glass accents and the restrained behaviour of the middle class characters make the film very much of its time, the simple story retains the power to pluck heartstrings to this day, resonating as it does with those timeless themes of attraction, lies, guilt and ultimately fidelity. The last time I watched it I still felt a tear in my eye, but I'm sure that was just a piece of grit from the Scottish Express. How big a part does the station itself play? Well, the film makes extensive use of the station and the railway ambience, so much so it is integral to the film's narrative. Long ramps enable Laura to run gracefully to the train about to take Alec away. Climbing steps would perhaps have looked far less elegant. The iconic clock is a constant presence, reminding Laura and Alec of the moments they have left to share, the minutes and seconds ticking away. Several shops linger on the semaphore signals, heralding the speeding express train. Each must dash with their respective trains, Laura to Ketchworth, Alec to Churley, with the engine pulling noisily away. The local train carriages are compartments only, and allow Alec to open the door and jump on when the train is moving away. Unheard of now, although the last so-called slam door carriages are not that long gone. The shots inside the refreshment room were all filmed at a studio, although the real tea room certainly inspired it. But one of the most evocative scenes at the station 
occurs in the subway between the platforms. Alec tries to kiss Laura, who is terrified of being seen, as the long shadows of people walking down the ramp project onto the walls of the tunnel. It's a superb piece of filming in a location little changed to this day. Watching the film from our 21st century viewpoint, surely we are seeing it differently to the audiences of 1945. We're just looking through nostalgia-tinted glasses, seeing a world which is long gone for a younger audience, or perhaps the world of our early childhood and that of our parents for those of a certain age like me. We're seeing warm to the film's black and white reproduction, the high street with its Cardoma Cafe and string quartet and cinema, chemist and cottage hospital, and of course the steam engines. But all of this was completely familiar to a 1940s cinema audience. The story reinforces the middle-class mores of the time, that marriage is sacrosanct, must endure, loveless or not, that respectability is all. Divorce was spoken about in almost hushed tones on into the 1950s. Laura and Alex struggle to contain their love for one another might be seen against that background, and their simple story would surely speak directly to its audience more than today. But between people, emotions of guilt and loyalty and attraction remain timeless and are related in such an honest and raw way as it explains why the story echoes so clearly across the years. But how many of the scenes, how much of the ambience, the mood of Brief Encounter survives in the real conflict of the 21st century? There is quite a lot to recognise, the clock of course, the tea room, the ramps to the subway with the iron railings at the top and the long curving platforms with the harsh concrete canopy. Train destination announcements. And on the dark evening, with the express trains flashing by on the main line and just one or two people on the furnace platform perhaps waiting to meet someone and the clock ticking at the top of the ramp, well, one could let the imagination wander. And there's today's Heritage Centre, of course, in the restored station building. Although the refreshment room in the film, where many of the key scenes were shot, was a studio reproduction, the tea room is immediately recognisable. And even the pendolinos racing past just feet away echo those night trains which are the background to Laura and Alex's story. Before the pandemic of 2020, it's been a justly popular place for lunches, teas, coffees and cakes although it was looking for new owners at the end of 2020 and, hopefully, a new beginning. Elsewhere in the complex of beautifully restored station buildings, the Heritage Centre has an exhibition devoted to director David Lean, and Brief Encounter itself loops continuously in a mini-cinema. There are also exhibits describing wartime life, its dangers and shortages, with many day-to-day -day items of the time on display. Regular exhibitions of local artists and photographers feature in the main building corridor, the so-called Link Gallery. The second major focus for the Heritage Centre is Carnforth's story as a railway centre, with several rooms dedicated to its artefacts and history. The railway from Ulverston arrived here in 1856 and was operated by the Furness Railway. It joined the Lancaster and Carlisle Railway and later the Midland Railway arrived. Carnforth had become a major junction, 
and the receipt of goods trains and the marshalling and shunting of huge numbers of wagons grew, along with a vast complex of sidings. With it brought a need to stable, service and maintain the locomotives and to provide men to crew them, so beginning a long dependency between the small town of Carnforth and the railway. The locomotive depot was modernised as late as 1944 and this is the second quirk of history which has helped to cement Carnforth's role today as a heritage centre. As steam locomotives were being phased out in the 1960s and the beaching cuts were closing many branch lines and Lancashire became steam's last stronghold, depots were closed one by one until Carnforth became the very last. It continued to roster steam engines until the final week of steam traction in August 1968 when the fires finally went cold forever. Or perhaps not. Hundreds of jobs were lost here in the years after steam, as freight trains made up of individual wagon loads from scores of sources were gradually eliminated. But Carnforth Depot survived as a working steam museum, Steamtown. It became the home for several operational steam locomotives, and although as a museum it had long closed the public, the depot is operated today by West Coast Railways, which runs numerous steam and heritage diesel haul trains around the country each year. Remarkably, on the sunny afternoon of a visit I made in April 2019, no less than three mainline steam haul trains were to pass through Carnforth in little more than an hour. Hissing to a halt, this first one is hauled by a Jubilee-class engine named Leander, built in 1936. It's pulled its train of 1950s red carriages around the circuit from Blackpool via Preston, Clitheroe and Helifield, and is pausing for signals here before stomping back off to Preston, where the passengers will be whisked back to London, hauled by a 1960s electric motor. Leander was a crew-based engine back in 1945 and could have worked this route then. Who knows, it may even have been the source of the grit in Laura's eye. Excited little crowd, it's only minutes to wait before the second train pulls off the main line to pause in the sidings. This one is hauled by two Black Five locos of 1937 and 1945 vintage and has run from Manchester and over the famous Settle and Carlisle Railway, returning on the Shapsun. 
Both of these trains were crewed by West Coast Railways, half a century after the official end of BR Steam at Carnforth. An hour later, New Build Loco Tornado had passed by on the Border Raider Tour from Birmingham to Carlisle and Who says the age of steam died out in 1968? Further exploration of the station reveals some of its links to its 19th century past, remarkably still present and even operational in the 21st century. The view south from the station, towards Lancaster, is all overhead electrification wires and modern colour light signalling, controlled by some distant centre. Venture to the other end of Platform 2, however, and the Y-shaped junction of the furnace lines to Barrow and the likely used line to Leeds is found. In timetable planning, the junction is still known as Carnforth F&M Junction, Furness and Midland, in an echo of the two railway companies which shared Carnforth Station and were absorbed into the London, Midland and Scottish Railway almost a century ago, in 1922. Just beyond is a traditional man signal box, where levers still hold sway, controlling the train movements as it has done since 1903. In another few more years, operational manual signal boxes such as this will be a memory as well, as new signalling technology spreads towards Barrow. The box is Grade 2 listed, with a substantial brick-based ground floor and a glazed upper floor, giving the signalman clear view of all the lines under his control. It is topped by a hipped roof, four sides of grey slate sloping gently to the walls. Leave Carnforth on an evening train, and the signalman can be glimpsed behind his dimly lit long row of levers, watchful and patient, continuing the line of nearly 120 years of operation. Old though the existing box is, it has a predecessor which is still situated opposite the end of Platform 2. You might look at the odd narrow stone building and not immediately think signal box. It's more like something you would meet on a visit to a stately home. Two storeys of light York stone, a series of three windows on the rail side, more windows on the end, all split by delicate stone mullions with stone transoms separating the arch window lights above. The gable ends have stone copings laid down the roof line, and a tall, rounded chimney towers over one end of the building. A round panel on the platform side looks as though it might once have held a clock. Also Grade 2 listed, Historic England say the box opened in 1882, so barely 20 years later the new signal box replaced it. Some windows are boarded, others open to the elements, although the roof and building as a whole seem solid. Would it not be wonderful if this strangest of buildings could be restored and opened up for visitor access, allowing another chapter of the history of this fascinating station to be told? Anyway, returning to our exploration of the north end of Platform 2, it's possible to get a glimpse of West Coast Railway's extensive site. 
If you're lucky, you might spot a wisp of steam rising from one of their locomotives. Your attention might be drawn, however, to the huge concrete structure which is the coaling tower. This was once used to replenish the tens of steam engines from a 15-tonne wagon of coal hoisted high into its structure. Also Grade 2 listed, this is the last remaining example in the country with its mechanism intact and was at the forefront of railway depot technology in the 1940s. It is however suffering from corrosion deep in its concrete structure, so-called concrete cancer, and now has an uncertain future. After my last visit to Carnforth on a sharp winter afternoon in early 2020, just before the pandemic madness we had been living through for the last year began, it was time to move on and catch the furnace line train from the long curved platform two, sheltering under its rather brutal 1930s concrete canopy. Although its sheer length on the sharp curve is impressive, I can tell you from experience this can be a cold and lonely place to wait on a winter's early evening, with no cosy waiting room to get warm in once the Heritage Centre closes for the day. So leaving behind the platforms and ramps where Laura and Alec made their partings, promising to meet again, let's hope it's not too long before Brief Encounter can continue its daily performances and we can hear the sound of a steam engine here once again.